Hey, Scaredy Cats, we are coming up on our one-year anniversary episode, and we want to hear from you guys. So if you go to our Instagram page, which is TexChrisDay. Good afternoon, my inspiration, my guiding light, my hope, my north star, my hero, my torch in the darkness. This is Dave's my epic Siri sword, message. My mentor, my champion, and of course my friend, Karate Captain Neckchild Destroyer. <laughs> Just a second, Siri. I'm trying to do something. So we want to know, uh, if you head on down to our Instagram, um, there's going to be a link in the description where Texas Chris Dave saw. Um, it's going to take you to a survey. We want to find out um, what horror movies you want us to do, questions uh, you want to ask us about me and Chris, and uh, what you think we could do better. Um, so click on that link and give us some of your feedback. Killers, demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside I've been uh, reading It a yeah. lot. How's that coming along? How well, far are you right now? Um, uh, I just, I'm in the middle of, oh I just finished um, Bill Dembro Defeats the Devil. Um, like that's one of the chapters. I think it's like 300 pages in or so. Nice. So yeah. you're about a good third of the way in. About that. And you're probably learning a lot because the book jumps back and forth, right? Yeah. It's, oh my God, it's so amazing. And like you can see um, where so much of the movie was taken from the book. And mm-hmm. even little things like this doesn't happen to this character, you know, but it happens in the movie still. This is a passing sentence or a passing like idea of what could happen, and it happens in the movie. Ah. It's really cool the little like one-off sentences and the way that Stephen King writes, and you know how the it's amazing. Like I don't, I couldn't accurately describe why it's as good as, as it is. Who who wrote the screenplay for the new one? Is it also the director, Andy? What's his face? That is a great question. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, so I mean that's awesome that because it's been adapted before and because it's such a beloved piece of text, mm-hmm. he took some of those throwaway lines and yeah. expanded them into their own scenes and moments. Do you have any examples yeah. of that? Like what's Um yeah, okay. Uh, I should have been prepared for this because <laughs> I brought it up. <laughs> Take notes. Yeah. Um no. That's okay. I'll just, we'll cut that out. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. Cut that out, please, Chris. <laughs> the w- one that I'm also curious about reading now, because uh, after we watched Gerald's game the oh, other sorry. week. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I had, I have it. All right, go for it. And then I'll restart that. Um, yeah. So they, they're talking about this, um, like one woman who's not at all attached to the story, um, having heard, I think it's actually, it could be the um, Betty Ripsom's parents. Okay. Um, hearing voices of children coming from the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's hearing them say like come down here we all float and then there's a thing to do with like seeing hair in the sewer and like those two things happen to Beverly in the movie mm-hmm. but they happen to two separate characters ah neat in yeah in two separate timelines in the movie nice. or in the book yeah right on yes yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting yeah and no I, I'm bet. loving the shit out of it by the way yeah uh, well, you saw it three times so I mean what a perfect time now to just jump into the source material mm-hmm. and make some connections yeah and like the slow trickle of information that you get the way that they've all forgotten everything right and how it comes back to them is just so amazing it's like they all it's so 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 unique um like little little bits of information flood back is like the turtle can't help us that comes out of nowhere right you're like the fuck <laughs> like i know something i know where it's heading vaguely yeah but the way that it comes up is just so first, yeah so creepy everything is so creepy and it is dark it is is not put you in a good mood that's awesome i have a copy waiting for me at the library to pick up oh so awesome dude we'll see maybe i'll get on board and try to catch up um 
I'm torn between reading that one and now also after watching Gerald's game, yeah. I want to read not Gerald's game, but <laughs> the basically back-to-back Stephen King had Gerald's game and um, Dolores Claiborne, I think the name of it, this other novel that came out okay. right about the same time. And they were actually supposed to be originally just one novel together these two stories oh but then he decided no i'm gonna i'm gonna release them separately but where their connective tissue is that still remains Mm -hmm. is that both have pivotal moments involving a solar eclipse and each of the main female protagonists because dolores claiborne also is has a female protagonist at critical moments they each have a vision of the other during the eclipse so do you remember in gerald's game where she had a vision of a woman looking down a well yes that's dolores claiborne and that scene happens in the book but then she also has a vision of um, the protagonist in Gerald's game being tied up to the bed or something like that. So this is like cool, weird, eclipse-based connection that they have to one another. That is so fucking cool. Awesome, right? I love those little connections. And like, I mean, that that feeds more into the um, the conversation of like, you know, horror movies turning into universes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's another moment. And I mean, everything like in Stephen King's world is connected with the Dark Tower and stuff, right? So. Oh yeah. The, yeah, yeah. That's like a. Everything ties in. That's some, I, I shouldn't talk out of my ass right now, but like, yeah, it's some sort of like pillar that holds up right. the world or something or all the worlds that the different stories occupy, something like that. Yeah. It's super important. The Dark cool. Tower. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there was articles about both it and Gerald's game about all the Stephen King Easter eggs, like yeah. little things from other novels that are kind of left in like little, just tiny little objects that are around that are like a shout out to other novels yeah. that he's written. I, love, I think that's real cool. Yeah. I love looking for those. Yeah. And I've been through the movie three times and now i'm going through combing through the book and yeah like there's just these little flares that go off and like my synapses right. <laughs> of like connecting like i saw that in the movie or blah, blah, blah. yeah it's oh god it's so good I'm there's like, even there's even flanagan easter eggs in um in gerald's game so when they're driving to the lake house at the beginning uh-huh. she the female character is reading a book and the book that she's reading, or she puts down a book at some point in the book, but either way, okay. in the movie. But at some point, there's a book that shows up. And the book is the book that the character in Hush wrote. Really? Yeah. You know, she's like talking about her first yeah. novel and she's working on her second one. That book is being read by Carlo Gugino in Gerald's Game. Fucking awesome. I love it. The Flanagan universe. I love it. Wow. Flynn Flan, thank you, verse. Yeah. <laughs> the Flaniverse. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Gerald's Game was fun. I keep seeing that hand, that messed up hand. Like God. I think about it all the time. Yeah, what a climax! Yeah, oh, God, <laughs> the skin peeling back, and, and it's like the sound in particular is mm-hmm. what's really like remaining with me. Like the just the gushiness and the, the weirdness, tearing, like cranked up full volume. I think that's what like makes it so so visceral. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But today we're going back to a classic horror film which we have not checked out yet. Yeah, we have, should. Have you seen this one before? I have. Okay, me yeah. too. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you did. I did see it, yeah. Wait, how Not, recently? Like a couple years, I think. Okay, so, so it's been longer somewhere, for me. Oh, yeah, okay. Probably about six or seven years. It's me. still fresh in my mind. I still remember the plot, what happens, and it's a blast. I've only seen this first one, though. Okay, same. I yeah. haven't seen any of the other... There's 10 in total. I know, and there's like a new one coming out. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was just just on Wikipedia. Um. And it's the same guy who's pinhead every time, except for the, most, the two most recent iterations. Okay, so yeah, yeah another kind of horror actor character legend. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting real acquainted with Pinhead because he's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. cool, dude, and all his other Cenobite pals. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's the that's yeah. what they're called. Hellraiser. We're doing Hellraiser. Oh right, <laughs> we didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, 
1987, Clive Barker. Uh-huh, you got it. He's a novelist, and he's yeah. done a bit bit of film. His other two big forays into film were uh, Nightbreed in 1990 and Lord of Illusion in 95. I'm not familiar with no. either of those. I know people talk about Nightbreed a lot, and I have seen some hype for Lord of Illusions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, those two escape me. Right. Just, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, and this one too, Hellraiser was first a novella and then mm-hmm. he yeah. adapted it. He wrote it and then he adapted it and directed it. Yeah, correct. Right? Yeah. And he directed those other two as well, the Nightbreed and Lord of Illusion. And were those before or after? After. This was his first. This is his first for into film. Yeah, that's, and that's he, amazing. Apparently he sold all the film rights to the whole franchise even kind of before he made this first one, maybe to help fund it because he just had no idea how big of a success it would be. Sure. That there'd be such spinoffs. So they made, the sequel came out the next year. Right away, as mm. often happens in horror movies. Yeah, with with smash successes like that. Yeah, exactly. But all different directors and writers. Like, they're all... The original yeah. is just kind of his, and yeah. then... Yeah. yeah, so this is just... They just sell out this... Sell off this movie to whoever's going to direct it and put it together. The exactly. next iteration of the story. Exactly. Yeah, whatever. It was originally made under the title Sadomasochists from Beyond the Grave, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. Yeah, sadomasochist is a great word. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that so much that these weird, these weird Cenobite dudes are just interested in um, the height of pain and pleasure at the same time mm-hmm. inflicted yeah. upon their victims. Yeah, it is a weirdly like it's a super sexual, gross body getting like fucked up and then reconstructed kind of yeah. body horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some weird, weird and fun gore, if I remember correctly. They're like top to bottom, dude. Great, like, great. Yeah. The the um reconstruction of that dude. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, my gosh. Is one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in terms of like practical effects and body horror. Nice. Awesome. I hope we have a good quality cut of it. Uh, oh, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, if we get like a good like HD. Yeah. Like an image. I wonder if I'm going to be able to see some problems with it. <laughs> um, the MPA gave it an X originally. So some gore had to be cut out. Banned by Ontario Film and Video Review Board at first as well. Had to get some cuts. So I assume a lot of those have been sliced back in. To so? the, the footage that's going around now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope would, so. It would say, wouldn't that be like a director's it cut? It would be like uncut. A, yeah. An uncut version. Yeah. We, yeah. Which isn't labeled. So maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, the one I saw was on a VHS, so I know for a fact it uh, was the original, uh-huh. and uh, it was gross and amazing, and so I've never seen anything extra, right? just the original film as it was, and yeah, my memory, maybe I'm like overhyping it in my own memory, but it's one of the few that I, the visuals, even though I've got the shittiest like long-term horror memory, yeah. I can so clearly remember like his like half reformed body crawling across the dark floor out of the shadow. I can see it so clearly. Right. Yeah. uh, It's, it's such a great, yeah. I remember just visually being very kind of dark and Mm. atmospheric and moody, which I really, really liked. And just the setting of that house in the attic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The attic that, that isolated little attic. Right. Right. And then it becomes this weird secret. And, yeah, so, we're yeah, clearly, all about clearly you remember more than I do, <clears throat> despite having me watching it recently. It but. really stuck out to me. I didn't expect it to be that good because uh, you see Pinhead as like you're growing up, you go to the blockbuster all the time, you see in the horror section, you see Pinhead. Absolutely. That was my introduction is video yeah. stories, just seeing that cover. Yeah. And that like that conjures all sorts of images in your head without any context. And you need to see the movie to have context for what it's about. Yeah. Like you can't explain the sadomasochists. Totally. <laughs> like as they are the weird little box, like the weird little body reforming stuff. You can't explain any of it 
Um, like you really do need to see it, but like you see Pinhead and for me, that's the same as seeing like Jason's mask or like Freddy Krueger's claw. It's just a, a horror image totally that uh, exists in my childhood. Um, so I was never that interested. And when I saw the movie, cause I'm like, eh, he's just another one of those big, you know, scary classic looking dudes, yeah. scary looking dudes. It was not at all that it was like, it re- reminds me of the movie dark city. Oh yeah, that? I love yeah. Dark City. It's like got that kind of feel to it, and even the it does. Yeah, they're both very kind of gothicy, creepy, brooding, <clears throat> and have these weird kind of similar looking dudes. Creature yeah, yeah. Dudes. They, they both have those Matrix yeah. kind of like long cape jacket yeah. things yeah, on yeah. and pale white skin, and they're all like in like a pack. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but man, there's something to be said for that. Like growing up in an era where we can't watch, like we weren't allowed to rent all the horror movies yeah. as kids, but you're allowed to wander through the horror section. Mm-hmm. So while you know your siblings are your younger siblings are looking off in the kids section, and your parents are somewhere else, just going up and down those horror aisles, your imagination as you see the covers of yeah. things like with Pinhead on the front there, you're like, what the fuck is that? Exactly. Dude? That's exactly what I mean. And in fact, um, my progression of maybe that's why this sticks in my memory so much, because I remember seeing Pinhead seeing that image of just the guy with all the nails in his head yeah, and thinking in my mind for a period of time that he was the victim and someone did that to him. Oh shit. Yeah. Crazy. And and then, um, later upon reflection and looking at it again, he had this like super angry looking, like vengeful, like look on his face. Uh It's like, no, no, this guy's the one. Yeah. This is the baddie. Yeah. He's the bad guy. And like, I had that like change in my own understanding of who Pinhead was without ever seeing the movie. And then I did see it and it fucked me up. (laughs) It's it's a really good movie. I can't wait. All right. Let's get to it then. I think we should just get right the fuck to it. I'm super excited. Sounds good. Let's put it on. Let's watch some movie. Cheers. Cheers. I forgot a lot about those fun practical <clears throat> effects. Yeah, there's it's top to bottom, man. <laughs> like yeah. there's some crazy ones in there. Holy. I forgot about like yeah, some of those monsters. Same. I really like my memory of that movie was Frank coming back to life, but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there was some other shit you saw. We got a whole motley crew of at least I'd say six, six fun monster dudes. Six fun like including all the like um the Cenobites. Yeah, we got so we got Pinhead. Uh-huh. Slug Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> chompy slug morpheus yeah we got chompy okay yeah that guy and then we got um uh, what do you want to call the one with the like weird ass rainbow piercing and the uh, jennifer jennifer yeah, jennifer <laughs> and it it does look like a very feminine character but it seems to be a dude is it i think i can't tell okay um a ton of makeup and right prosthetics i have no idea then we got uh like the krang Krang type dude who's like yeah. running, running. Uh, yeah, he's holding himself up with his like back legs on the on the walls of that corridor. Yeah, that's a weird creature. There was, and the physics of that weren't entirely convincing. Maybe it looks it look a little better on VHS, but it was just kind of like floating down the hall instead yeah. of like like it was clear that those top legs were supposed to be the the point of gravity that it was walking with. Yeah, they should be pushing against the outsides of the corridor and yeah. by pressure holding it up so it shouldn't be able to take steps forward or it would fall. Exactly. Instead, it was just kind of floating forward yeah. and clearly it was like hands yeah. and a dude just kind of running down <laughs> yeah. the hallway. And and then the uh, pterodactyl and the, demon type at the end. The bone dragon right at the bone end. Bone dragon, yeah. Totally forgot about bone dragon. I Yep. I didn't even realize that was part of the movie. So Bone Dragon was that creepy dude who yeah, was kind of lingering the whole time. That like Jared Leto looking homeless man. Right. Yeah. 
who's kind of like just i guess always aware of who's around the box and yeah. will restore it back to the table for bargaining for future yeah. peeps to enjoy the pain and pleasure yeah basically i guess that the guy in the the cafe sells it or whatever mm-hmm. and then bone dragon comes and picks it up and brings it back <laughs> gotcha oh man what an interesting bone, such... bone dragon likes crickets yeah, he likes to eat crickets and be just weird just do weird things and stare mm-hmm. and just be oh man so creepy and she never told anybody else about that guy following her and yeah walking into her pet store where she's just happily selling monkeys and stuff <laughs> <laughs> which was just insane yelling at kids for knocking on the snake yeah just glass. banging on the pythons thing and then uh-huh in in walks bone dragon man bone dragon man in human form yeah eats a bunch really of crickets. like wide-eyed and really stunned really crazy looking uh uh-huh. freaky looking character yeah it's interesting that he's like watching kirsty so much mm-hmm. you know? yeah maybe like as if he knows that this is where the actual battle will be taking place yeah through her i like that yeah but the cenobites seem a little more clueless than that yeah they're like not aware of where exactly frank is like wait a minute frank's gone yeah <laughs> slug <laughs> morpheus like, yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be watching frank slug morpheus he's like my eyes are so shut i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> the shades it's just to hide my horribly disfigured sunshut eyes i always forget that slug morpheus you always have those things on <laughs> yeah. that's re- on us it's really misleading slug morpheus <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so they don't seem to know that frank's gone he's like none escape us <laughs> and she's like yeah well he did he's like all right well assuming your your fairy tale is correct <laughs> yeah. what does this have to do with you yeah, it's just a very accommodating villain. It's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. There's a whole there's a whole bunch of them. You think some of them could keep tabs on everything? Yeah, but they all just have to do the theatrics and show up. Yeah, <laughs> but if you you can't make grand claims like no one escapes us if you can't back yeah. them up and follow that up with like okay if he did you tell me more <laughs> yeah like wait okay say that you're right yeah <laughs> it's impossible but if it weren't case <laughs> and then they totally go along with her negotiations yeah. But at the end, they seem like they're, maybe it is a trick to trick her because they do want to, they seem like they do want to take her at the end. Well, yeah, in that conversation, um, Jennifer said, um, what if we want to keep you, what if we'd rather you instead? Yes. You know, saying like, yeah, you can get us Frank, but we still want you. So Jennifer was really pulling for Kirsty to (laughs) get thrown into the experiments, but Penhead was a little more like, we got to cover our tracks. Yeah. What if Bone Dragon finds out about this? (laughs) We are just rending this story apart. Um, much like the Cenobites rend apart souls. Yeah. That was a great threat, though. Like, his voice is like booming voice and like threatening, like, we'll tear your soul apart. It's great. That's it's a great so threat. fun. I love it. I love this crew. I mm. love their, like, that they just love observing weird experiments. They yeah. just kind of stand there, real, like, calm and just watch seemingly mostly hooks fly out of nowhere. They and- like hooks. Yeah. And just, although right at the end, Slug Morpheus just like pulls out a normal knife. That's like, true. Just going to stab you. <laughs> Sometimes Slug he's, Morpheus likes to get stabby. He's old school like that. Yeah, he's old school. That's why. <laughs> Since like, we introduced the hooks, I haven't been able to see him. I lost my sight many, many moons ago. Yeah. You guys just cut up your neck and put nails in your head. My <laughs> eyes are sewn shut. I've got a huge handicap. <laughs> Damn it, Slug Morpheus. We, <laughs> got, we finished with knives like decades ago. Yeah, we're using the automatic hook thing now. We're pulling people apart. Like, mm, you guys with your new fangled torture. Do you think, like, I'm surprised they don't leave Slug Morpheus behind. I mean, they lost track of what's-his-face, but there's some clause in their contract where just because of his disability, they can't <laughs> kick him off the crew. 
He's been there since day one. They're the Cenobite crew that got stuck with Slug Morpheus. Yeah. <laughs> so Pinhead, they all got to pick, right? Like yeah. there's a whole, just a legion of goons. And Pinhead <laughs> got to pick. He wanted he wanted Chompy right away because Chompy's just always great. The chatter yeah. never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer seems like a good, you know, intelligent, smart sidekick to have around too. Yeah. But Slug Morpheus was like the last one picked. Yeah. He had a car. <laughs> They're like, oh, man, we don't really like this guy. He doesn't add much, but... Fine, Slug Morpheus. You can come be on our team. You can drive. <laughs> and the ultimate foil for them seems to be if you just put the puzzle back together yeah. in the right shape. If you're just not so scared and rend it apart right away. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. Don't put the puzzle back together. Hey, stop Stop that. <laughs> He's like, we will tear your soul apart. Wait. Wait, stop. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so if Frank, if Frank just simply put the puzzle box back together... Do you think he would be totally fine? Like if he did it and they're like, we'll show you such side. He's like, what if I just, he's like, oh, wait, no, no, don't do that. No. Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I think he got, got, they, they kind of suggested that he, he was in there for a while or maybe like he, he experienced like pain and pleasure. Like you couldn't imagine. It seems like maybe he was doing it for a little bit before the final consequence of complete annihilation. Yeah. It seemed like it was too much for Frank. Like he had, Mm -hmm. he was like his character and, um, What's the main dude's name? The dad? Dad. Dad. The dad's wife or whatever. Her and Frank both have in common that they want, they like really good, kinky, aggressive kinds of sex. Yeah. He's like, he's a sexual deviant and like there's a way you can look at it. And like, that's what pushed him to like go beyond the fringes. Yeah. To summon these people to try to see what's beyond there. Yeah. To get like, I've heard tell of this fucked up little artifact that can bring you to, you know, the pinnacle of pleasure and pain totally and and he's like that's what he's searching for and it's that i think that inspires julia like she's got a little bit of that in her too Mm -hmm. and like you know just the exactly just the housewife life isn't enough and she's got these deep running desires exactly and but that was too much for him Mm -hmm. he's escaped he's got back by fluke by the blood going on the floor where he actually first summoned them and that Mm -hmm. gets him out of it and at that point I feel like he's just tricking what's her face, his old lover. Oh yeah, to be like, oh, we'll be together, it'll be good. But really, his interest is just escape. Yeah. He's still a maniac, obviously, yeah. by the way that he's treating everyone around him. But he just he wants to get out of there. He wants to get the enough flesh to just book it. Yeah, and, and get away from the Cenobites. Exactly, yeah. get away from the Cenobites because that pain and pleasure stuff too far. Yeah, he thought Frank thought he didn't have any limits, but he discovered those limits. Yeah, but you can still see like right at the very end scene where he gets hooked apart. He, he smiles, like, rubs his tongue along his lips as the hooks are all pulling his head apart. Yeah. He says, Jesus wept with this big, huge smile. Like It's a weird, sinister moment, yeah. Yeah, he's still kind of like, yeah, this is me to my core. I am just escape a it. bit of a monster. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah so he kind of, like, took it with this, like, shitty and grin. Man, so there are nine more of these movies. <laughs> is it just other other people coming across the cube? And is Slug Morpheus in the sequels? That is the question of the day, Scaredy Cats. We need to follow Slug Morpheus from his oh, inception to I the end. I just want more Slug Morpheus. I think he's dead. He he got crushed. The but house fell on him. Inter- yeah, the house fell on he him. He was the only one who didn't get like sent back. That's what the I was box. just going to say. Yeah. While everyone else had like a cool twisty box disappearance into crazy 80s yeah. <laughs> post-production. Yep. <laughs> he just collapsed under some drywall. Yeah, he just got crushed like a normal thing would. He also just had a normal knife. He was the one who wasn't <laughs> playing by the magical rules. No. Um, He's and, not even a Cenobite. He just hangs around yeah. the whole time. <laughs> um, but he... Uh, it felt like when she was doing that thing with the box and like putting it back to its original thing and it kept trying to like open. Uh-huh. It felt like 
you know, that was the connection that was their like ethernet cable connection into the world that they were in, that the humans were in. And then like pulling the plug, it was like putting that cube back together and it seemed to just like disconnect them. Right. And they go, fuck, you know, like, ah, foiled again. Yeah. Yeah. Like we just need someone to open the box now. Right. With the exception of bone dragon, who seems to be like present in earth, just to be a guardian of this gate or doorway yeah bone is the box bone dragon's like the golem following the one ring uh, that's I like what, it yeah and then as soon as he can get it he gets it and back it goes absolutely oh it's man. cool to witness it was they're just hanging out to throw throw the box on the fire bone dragon's like nope yeah this is, my, this is where i come in he just reaches in and gets set on fire it's like oh man yeah <laughs> and i thought i'm like is are they just showing a character who like maybe got a taste of it and never like fully you know so he's just always going to crave it and chase it around the globe no matter where it is is that who he is no no, it's a bone dragon. <laughs> in the guise of a homeless man who just brings it back so he can start this whole thing over again. Yeah, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. It's got to be a bone dragon. Yeah. I really love that. It's it's cool to see a movie that like makes up its own rules and its own progression. And I know this is based on the, the novella. First, yeah. But, and you can kind of tell that. It's dense and it's long. Um, but like it's cool when a story is just so unique and, and like not based on anything else and you just can't follow it. It's just going to go where it goes. Yeah. You know, it's not just a movie like the mummy where the mummy is like eating people to get its body back. It's, um, and I was referring to Brendan Fraser's, I knew, not, yeah. not the incredible Tom Cruise with you. remake of <laughs> recent. Um, but like it's, it's, it seemed like that at first. And, you know, then there's also like this like tale of, you know, uh, a good person going bad. You know, giving into the desires and like sliding down a very slippery slope of morality. There's that story going on. But then there's this crazy fucked up other world and a puzzle box. And, you know, there's like, there's so much in the story. It's so much. Yeah. It's and it goes weird places. And there's this. It'd be one thing if you have this whole crazy logic of the Cenobites in the box and then just kind of normal people stumbling across yeah. it. But then to have this whole other crazy narrative about this family and mm. their kind of tension and dynamic and yeah. the new wife's dynamic and the weird encounter with the older brother like or the yeah like there's just there's, there's so much it's that they're di- packing in it feels like a book right yeah. it's it's like book story layering there's yeah so, so much to it that like that makes it so satisfying mm-hmm. to watch yeah but then the like the lighting and the set design of this movie and even the score like it's fundamentally the elements are just cinematically so enjoyable to watch yeah stellar yeah you know in in all of those ways yeah that make a good film it's like that really layered storytelling with the visual elements all working in concert and i feel like this must have taken so long to film because it's so many of the shots are just so gorgeous the way they're all set up there's one where kirsty is like in that room and just there's um feathers just kind of flying everywhere yeah she pulls dude. the sheet back like that whole set and, and the way that it's designed yeah is... that like corpse theoretically laying on a table or something with the sheet over top and all those feathers flying yeah and then blood starts coming soaking up from underneath into the sheet until it's like basically all red yeah. but those white feathers are adding like a contrast and her just shocked face like it's an amazing scene yeah some some elements are clearly dated like specifically the when the cenobites are disappearing and appearing and you have the weird kind of lightning glowy effect that just yeah. kind of strikes down and surrounds it yeah that that holds up probably the least yeah those cgi energy effects exactly are the, are the silliest part and the weird little like demon sperm things looking that kind of float out yeah. and into the box yeah that that um is a little bit silly but the rest of the lighting just looks fantastic yeah. still yeah it seems like you could go in and like 
re-edit in some effects just to tone that down. Right. You know, because like really they don't tend to react to those moments. Like right at the end when they were all disappearing, they were going, bah! but other than that, like when people's hands touched the box and little lightning, little terrible blue lightning went off of it, that never seemed to affect anyone. No. It's just something they threw in so that there was an effect when a hand touched the box. You can do that way more subtle. And you know yeah. it wouldn't be distracting. It wouldn't take away from it. Yeah, but no. that—that's us now. I wonder if in the day you cared or if that looked good. Yeah, because that looks like um, that looks like the lightning that kills the witch in Suspiria. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. around the same time, or no, that's yeah. like a decade later. Yeah, ten years later. Yeah, so maybe it looked terrible to everybody. Yeah, yeah, maybe they hated it. But um, yeah, I, I felt it like a little like. It was great, but there were moments where I felt it was kind of lagging or going very slowly. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I th- I thought it was pretty decently paced at mm-hmm. the at the top. Um, the main dude's acting was kind of bothering yeah. me. Yeah, it seemed particularly bad. Like I thought the wife was pretty good, mm-hmm. and even that being said, some of the shots seemed overly dramatic at the top. Yeah. Where she'd be like standing at the top of the stairs looking down like fiendishly at <laughs> Kirsty. There were a lot of those. Yeah. But then I found by the end of the movie, I, I didn't notice those as much. But maybe I just adjusted to yeah. the context. Like this is what a 1987 horror movie is like. Sure. It could be that. Or it could be like just along the, the production. They got more better. into a groove and better be, at yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but like I found her like after her first kill when she's got like blood on her face and she's looking in the mirror. Yeah. And like the music is super epic at that moment. I'm like, this is a great sort of like budding horror villain, just her. Yeah. Because you know? she's like starting to like killing and, you know, really starting to accept that this is her new path in life. And it's amazing watching how like it's traumatic for her to kill mm-hmm. that first kill. Yeah, like, she, she's really affected she, by it. She's and so shaky. Beside herself. Yeah. And then, and then it becomes more natural. <laughs> yeah. She gets better at it. But like then she has to go in and not only kill a guy, but like deal with this horrible corpse of a thing. And then it gets like a little better, but it's still all muscles and veins, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and the body of the man that she just killed gets so mangled and terrible. She, and then her husband comes home and she's got to pick up that, the remains of that body. She runs and like hides in the bathroom. Like she throws the body in some other room that apparently yeah. doesn't get frequented, frequented <laughs> until the end where Kirsty goes to hide in that room yeah, and one of the corpses falls forward and maggots spew, spew out, out of its, its mouth. mouth yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty cool. Even her confidence grows in the type of men she brings back. If mm-hmm. you notice, the first two men are balding and have like a gross, I don't know, an inverse soul patch that's just like at the very front <laughs> of the head. And then it's the third tuft. guy, third guy, full head of hair. Yeah. She's like, I can pick up. I'll go for a more, more attractive guy. Yeah, I like... Um, as she's like walking, I think the second or third guy upstairs, he just stops on one of the steps. He's like, I get lonely sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> just has to admit his shame before he's hooking up. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a little bit to like make the audience like not like these men. Mm. It's like, well, it's not. At least she's not turning out like a an important person. Right. <laughs> just a weird looking little man she yeah. found. Yeah. Yeah. More disposable. Yeah. You're lonely sometimes. Like, okay, good. Feed him to the Great. Uh, exactly. razors or whatever. This guy's pathetic. He can, yeah. He can get eaten by Frank, <laughs> eaten or whatever Frank does. There were some really creepy moments of her like closing the door behind her, and then this like monster of a reanimating person just like kind of taking to the body and just grabbing it, and then the door closed. It's great, yeah. You know, even great. like at the start, just when if we go back to where just the, that creature is coming to be with the blood oh, seeping yeah, into scene, the floor, yeah. it looks like there's like a heart first pulsing, yeah. pulsating like underneath the floorboards. Yeah. That's where it starts. So many sequences of practical effects of like skin growing over bones, muscles like connecting to each other. Yeah, the brain growing, Uh that goo. Like just the, um, 
the general shape of the arms that came out of the floor yeah. and then like pushed you don't know up. what they are at first just two yeah. like sticks yeah she's straight up and then they each they reach down to the side and, and it's the clear image of someone trying to pull themselves up on uh-huh. you know to like the next floor of something but that someone is yeah. just a spine with a few ribs yeah and at the end of the spine is a brain is the brain and we watch that form too and yeah. the way that it lifts is so human like it's just it's the perfect shape of a skeleton that absolutely it, it looks like a, like a man standing up but it's just a brain and I, sticks i that's one of my favorite parts about this movie so is just good. the incredible f- practical effects of like a body reforming yeah. itself piece and, by piece yeah and i didn't when i was like talking at the top about like how i can clearly remember the half made thing like crawling across the floor like yeah that scene was like one for one in my memory no i wasn't way. even totally remembering how like it came to be right that scene is just like uh amazing practical effects just so unreal to watch and the music is just thrashing you like it's huge at that moment this music actually was replacing what the original score was apparently the original score is much more electronic oh really which i'm somewhat compelled by there's still a lot of synths in this score Mm -hmm. so i wonder how different it was or maybe the synths were some of the original stuff they kept in but apparently a lot a lot of it was replaced like no this is too electronic this is too weird we need to just get in like a full full orchestra like at at what point was it replaced like I just uh, frequently throughout apparently just throughout that the was one of the biggest changes in post-production they had a whole original score and then the producers were like uh, we're not feeling this we don't like this it would have made it even more of like a very particular kind of film i think if you had a cool electronic score with it i'd, I'd be curious to hear what some of those original tracks were like. yeah absolutely yeah. but apparently yeah a few moments are still in there and i imagine the synth heavy moments are part of the original sure if, if yeah if that's the impression you got that it was an electronic that would have been cool yeah I th- yeah it would have made it more um like i don't know genre focused or a particular i wonder if it aesthetic. would have, i wonder if it would have really even more dated it because mm. like you know, probably 80s probably. electronic is a very specific sound yeah but but with synthwave being so huge right now it would have it would feel good in 2017 you know like yeah. it would be it would be something that was dated but also appropriate yeah culturally I, relevant yeah i found the music somewhat unsubtle you know, so I wonder. It's pretty loud at points. It yeah. is, yeah. They really like to. Well, the whole it's just a loud movie. Like even just the chains and the screaming and everything yeah, you, that happens. You can call the lighting loud too. You're right. Everything, yeah. every little aspect of it is just really aggressive. Yeah, it certainly is. So fun. Oh my god. Like and like the character Frank before he finally gets the dad's skin, mm. um, is just dripping with goo yeah. and blood the whole time, <laughs> and then he's like. Um, we get this amazing era in the movie where he's just wearing like a suit jacket and a shirt or just a shirt first. And, he, uh, and it's uh-huh. like bloody around the neck and like Looks where great. it's touching his skin. Yes. And it's like, it's almost like, why even you're still a monster? But yeah. like, it's at the point where like he doesn't have skin. He's like, I have enough dignity now. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting on a shirt. He's just crossed the dignity threshold. So he puts on a shirt and it's just immediately covered in his own drippings, uh-huh. which is so gross. And it's just so great the whole time too. It looks fantastic. Love that. It's just a creature in the, in a movie. Yeah. It's just a guy with no skin. Absolutely. A shirt, and I got to say, to daddy. I got to say, uh, when he's got Frank's skin on, Frank is much cooler. Yeah, yeah, that's the best part of Frank. Yeah, that's that guy is basically that must like in part explain that guy's acting earlier in the film because later he's going to have right, to act as right. a completely yes, yes, different yes. character. That's true. I, if you have to establish a contrast, I'm going to be extra doofusy. Yeah, and uh, like just a little overly nice and do goody and exactly. Yeah, just a goody goody. And that's because his Way brother was nice. the bad boy, and that's like I think part of like why she, um, Julia wanted the brother more. Yeah, and I get that. I just don't know why she liked Frank in the first place. Yeah, that's a good question. Like she found his, um, she, she found seems those pictures. Always bored with him. 
always bored with him. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was just not, not interested because she needed murder in her life. I think yeah. that's what we learned. Um, <laughs> she was just unfulfilled, <laughs> or at least at least more fun sex than Frank was able to provide. Maybe maybe something as simple as danger or excitement, like just a general excitement. Yeah, I mean, because they they hit it off right away. Oh, I mean, yeah. She opened the door. Frank was standing there in the rain, and they were like, "Oh, there's a palpable sexual tension here." <laughs> gonna let me come in yeah um and she found those pictures of him uh-huh. with all those like naked women or whatever yes. like just his sexual deviancy and that like, just brought sp- back all these memories yeah, sp- yeah. spurred her imagination to just mm-hmm. kick off from there and it was a snowball at the top of a very large hill we and we couldn't figure out where this hill was exactly because at the start they clearly moved from brooklyn mm-hmm. but he said to her, we're back on your home turf or some line like that, yes. which lead, led me to believe that it's there in Britain somewhere because she's got a British accent. That was my understanding as well as we talked about. And this was all filmed in Britain. Yeah. This is a, it's a British, Clyde Barker's British, British production. Did we see a lot of cars driving? No, mm. I don't think so. That would have been such a giveaway. They it probably would avoided have. it for that reason. Uh. But uh, yeah, so we're not sure. It seemed like it should be in England. But right. strangers on the street and doctors and all nurses American. at the hospital, all American. Yeah. 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 That was, I don't know. That Someone was no scary cats. for us. Yeah, please. We don't get it. We don't get it. But yeah, there's so many other Hellraisers. And so, and they don't, they mm-hmm. don't have the greatest reviews, but no, <laughs> a lot of franchise uh, sequels don't. So yeah. I'm still curious about plot wise and narrative where it goes from here. Yeah. But there's, as far as I understand, there's no sequel to the book. Correct. So it's all just based on. Yeah, this people's ideas that they're spinning spinning off from. Yeah, and it's almost too bad that they're not great or that the reviews aren't great because it's such a rich story. There's so much mm-hmm. you can do with this. Yeah, it, it's like it really feels like um, phantasm in like very similar. You've got like a small object that everything's mm-hmm. kind of orienting around. Yeah, and then there's this just unbelievably grand other plane or other world or you know other universe you don't totally understand yet. totally there's like dream the whole thing is kind of dreamlike mm-hmm. the way it's all shot yeah. yeah i would put those two very similar yeah and uh but this has just got so much more gore oh yeah <laughs> it was brutal this has gotta be one of the goriest like 80s ones i think yeah like um and i was reading through wikipedia the stuff that they had to cut to get it down to an x writing right and I, i'm pretty sure that stuff was cut because you were saying yeah, that it wasn't there yeah, in particular, like a hammer shot to the head was cut out, and we didn't get that in here. So. Yeah, the second person who gets killed, I think, is mm-hmm. supposed to drop with the hammer in their head. I see. To the ground. Right. Uh, they deem that too gory. And then another one is at the end. I think it's the end, not the beginning. But either way, Frank gets torn apart by hooks um, twice, like once at the beginning, right? And and then the, um, the Cenobites are going through and like picking up pieces of his head yes. and like laying them Put down like together. puzzle pieces, yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> they <laughs> like, love puzzles. Yeah. Cenobites love puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> except for slug morpheus you can never put him yeah. together in the right spot <laughs> slug morpheus well slug morpheus is responsible for all the weird messed up like it's you know when you come like you see like a five-year-old trying to make a puzzle and they're just mashing pieces yeah. to make them fit like that's what the... slug morpheus does all the time especially with like human faces and stuff <laughs> yeah it's, they always look wrong because he's going by feel um how about that weird ass like meat tower like human flesh yeah. tower that was just spinning around yeah, with I didn't, hooks and chunks of flesh on it. I didn't totally get that. I I don't get it. And it, it seemed to have something to, I don't know. It just seemed to be maybe the aesthetic in that room. Yeah, yeah. At the end, he was like backing between like two different ones of that and like all the hooks and chains hanging from the ceiling. It seems yeah. Like, it's just like a spice rack of different torture devices and yeah. chunks of flesh. Just chunks of people like nailed to it and skulls nailed to the bottom. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it seems is, like over the years, whatever their dimension, their dungeon aesthetic that follows them around, uh -huh. just all the victims and all their parts just still lingering. But yeah, we clearly pick up right after that cut scene where Frank was ripped apart because when we first see Pinhead kind of walk in through that attic room, there's just, it's a, a body ripped apart everywhere, blood everywhere, is, chunks of bone and flesh everywhere. Just viscera. Yeah. Clearly, that's the missing piece that happened is that scene yeah. where he first gets tear, torn apart. Yeah. That's what, yeah. He gets torn up and that's when he picks up his face and that looked really great. But that would actually, that would be very helpful when you're watching the movie to have that scene because then it makes so much sense that he's slowly piecing himself together back in this room where he was first well, yeah. completely gutted apart. Well, they did show um, right at the beginning when he gets the box and he's kneeling in the candles. Uh huh. The. Out of nowhere, all the hooks, hooks just fly, coming. grab yeah. them, and then pull them apart. And then you're supposed to assume that it happened right in that attic. And that's where the um, the Xenobites were walking through. All that viscera and gore absolutely was yeah. in that attic, and it was his. And that face was his that they put together. I know. I fully and, agree. I just would have liked just that. Just like, let's see the body oh, just disperse. Sure. And I think they didn't do that because that was their big finale for Frank. Right and well, you said they cut it because of the gore. They didn't cut it. It was it was in there, but like the door shuts right as it's happening. Uh -huh. And I think what happens in that scene to completion is right before the door shuts, his head is pulled apart and his brains like spill out. Like it's just way more gruesome. Mm -hmm. And then that's the end of Frank. Rather than a, right. You know, but you're right. It does make it a more of a climactic ending when we do get to see that zoom in on the face, drop mm -hmm. the score. Jesus wept. Kaboom. Yeah. He's just, and he, you see him get pulled apart, but it's for a split second, and then the door is like yeah. slammed behind. And that's like, that's a recurring shot in that attic with Frank and like all of the men that she brings home and kills. There's that recurring, he gets shut the, the door just in time, right before you see what he's doing to him. Yeah. Poor Kersey. Even the Cenobites are like concerned about her, her being traumatized. Like, this isn't for your eyes. Yeah. You, you don't want to watch it. It's pretty gross. We're into it. We, we, we're big fans. <laughs> we like pushing the boundaries about that, but you, you don't want to see this. So, and we'll come for you later, but just, just please just get out of the room now. And Slug Morpheus has got his arms crossed in the corner. He's like, wish I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Slug Morpheus. <sighs> I don't think we're going to see any more of him, but I mean, that's also such a, um, such an image you know those glasses those sunglasses on one of those weird monsters yeah it's they it's such a great like they all complement each other so well they've each got their own identity their yeah. own outfit very unique and like all of them are like torn apart in some way there's some part of their body oh, yeah. that's just pulled open with metal they themselves have yeah. like um pain very yeah. clearly as, like, on clear them. pain inflicted upon them yeah yeah like um jennifer yeah. um she's got that metal stuff going like I say she. I really thought that it was I, a woman. Me too. But when she spoke, it, it sounded like a low voice. It seemed it was it low. like a dude, but maybe. But she's got like just that weird piercing through like her mouth and neck, and it's like acting Opening. as scaffolding, holding her throat open. Open, yeah, yeah. And then some of them have that on there. I think uh, Ch Chompers, Chomp, Ch Ch Chompy, Chompy <laughs> has it on the back of his head. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, as he was walking towards her in the um, right. Yeah, he definitely he, has his like lips completely burned off to oh, oblivion. Yeah, yeah he. And that's like it also has like a pulled back kind of feel, and you can just see it does. It, it feels like yeah. something's pulling it back. So but. much like blood and muscle, you know, in this movie. Yeah, uh, great. It, it kind of reminds me of like um, when she gets skinned in Martyrs. Like when oh, I thought about Martyrs a bunch. Yeah, yeah, especially just the aesthetic of the guy who, because he has in his form right before he takes on Frank's skin, he just has, it's just all no skin, muscle, but like just a muscle. bit of skin in the back of the neck going up to the back the of the skull. Head. Yeah, the, the skull. That's just skull. Oh, that's not skin? Yeah, it's it's no muscle over the back skull. of the skull. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. So that made me think of Martyrs just because there's so much muscle yeah. exposed. Just most of them exposed, yeah. And um, his, uh, 
I love those facial prosthetics. Like I think his second form when he started getting bone along his like where his yeah, cheekbones yeah, were yeah, yeah. and like the bridge of his nose had that little outcropping of bone. So fun. It looks so awesome. How he like the monster wasn't just a monster. It had like three or phases. four. Absolutely. Def- definitive phases. Yeah. That's so great. I know it's, it's gotta be an entire army of like special effects people, prosthetic people. Cause there's just so much. It's not Jeez, just, yeah. Oh, and how razor has pins in his head. So we have to do special makeup and effects for that. No, there's like six there's so or seven yeah. huge characters that have insanely detailed. Yeah. Like even now we could see it in HD. It still looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Like the places where it falls are like the animatronics, not the makeup and the prosthetics. And the post-production special sure. effects. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for calling, for mentioning that. It's the, um, when you see the hallway monster, when you see the bone dragon, mm-hmm. things like that are silly. Um, but the slow, patient reveal of like the thing creating itself and the bones and the brain, Looks that was just great. great. But the monsters going down the hall, the bone dragon, not as much. I even thought bone dragon was okay. It, yeah, it did look to me like it was swinging on a string. Like it was, neck. yeah, it was more for me the physics of how bone dragon and hallway hallway crawl dude how they would move around that was problematic like i yeah. thought they looked great but it was just their mobility yeah. that and, didn't and work as well you're right uh the physics just made no sense as i watched him go i'm like he'll just fall on the first step yeah because he's Cause lost he's that pressure yeah um <laughs> he needed a couple more legs to make that make sense yeah um, just but, show show a few legs on the ground and then it would just be like oh he's just using this to i don't know accelerate or yeah. something but like first of all like a brilliant monster as far as like an imagination goes like mm-hmm. it's it's just really cool and unique and i've never seen anything like that but it's also just a big chomping beast which is so different than the torturous you know really aesthetic is. of the rest of them um it's cool that it's he's kind of the muscle it's like yeah. the other the other you know jennifer slug morpheus chompy and pinhead they just kind of they're really just kind of calm and they walk around but that guy's the muscle it's just a freaked out monster and i take that as like some like um some fauna from like just that dimension you know sure yeah it's got corridor monsters right the equivalent of like uh an aggressive dog that you have or a sewer alligator sewer alligator (laughs) (laughs) that's what i equivalent yeah that's the equivalence there is the sewer alligator of the cenobite universe gotcha is a corridor monster but what's sewer alligator from just we have those in our world we have sewer alligators sure that go in and people flush little baby alligators that was used to help people that was the Chase thing them down hallways that people would like when you could go to a, st- a pet store and buy a fucking monkey or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could also get like little baby, you know, crocodiles, alligators, frogs, turtles, all those sorts Crazy. of things. And people could just flush that shit and it ends up in the sewer system. So there's like, I think there are cases throughout. All right. You've history. made your case. I'll take it. I've made it's it. It's the sewer alligator of the Cenobite world. It's a thing. I didn't make it up. Um, and, uh, but what I was, what I meant about the corridor monster is that, um, despite that being one of the weaker parts Mm -hmm. it still had really cool features and like its eyes like i I love people's changed like which was really cool it was super gory like its mouth moved like pretty cool with those gross chomping teeth yeah it was drooling like it was i I, again i loved it it was just how it was moving that i had issue with and it fought with her at the end trying to grab the box Mm -hmm. like that was awesome and i was like gimme gimme please 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 don't send me back that was cool even that thing dissolved too right they she was able to do it it dissolved that was the final triangle yeah like the corner piece spun the corner yeah 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 and she dissolved the shit out of that with those great effects totally but uh yeah great. there's just it's just such a uh a tremendous difference between those two is what makes me think that the the dimension of the universe that they're from is so much bigger and has so much more shit to creatures. show us yeah yeah like it's just monsters and death and horrible stuff on their i mean side. they sure like to tease it right they keep mm. telling people like oh we have such sights like we're yeah. gonna show you so much great shit yeah 
a lot of great torture. It feels like they're kind of going like puny little, we're going to blow your mind. <laughs> and part of that is through horrific torture. Absolutely. Um, what a gross house though to move into. And I mean, Frank yeah. was so cheery and excited to like go back to this place. Yeah. I was, I was more sympathetic with her. I was like, Ugh. this place looks gross. There's like <laughs> maggots and cockroaches all over the food. And you want to move in here Sunday, this Sunday, this of, of this Sunday. year. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And that door in Frank's room or whatever the attic place, whatever that room was, mm-hmm. it was just had like a huge swath of back, black mold on the back of it. Oh, this is, it's not safe that to is, be in this home. No, not at all, for sure. They're way too casual about the rats and the mold and the dampness. Yeah. And he totally, um, whatever the head's name is, he totally missed when he heard um, Frank upstairs. He totally missed that Frank had nailed two rats to the wall. He looked yeah. in there. He's like, ah, it's probably just rats. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're you suck man you deserve what you got he's so bored he's just nailing rats to the wall up there <laughs> well all he's got up there is a hammer and rats so what are you gonna do how about that scene where he's like like cutting into the top of the rat while oh, yeah. frank is making out with his wife like to like distract her from this lovemaking be yeah. like you can't enjoy him you're mine. Frank is like, he's walking over to kind of like insinuate that like, I've waited long enough and you're not executing. You haven't brought anyone else here so I can get my skin. Yeah. He takes out his knife like, I'm going to kill him. And she's like, no, God, please no, I couldn't bear it. And then he like takes out a rat and just fillets it in front of her. So nasty. And I mean like, uh, that must have like, they must have had some sort of license where that was like somewhat happening in her head because she was screaming, oh God, no, I can't bear it. No, no. And like the dude keeps like, kissing her neck for like 20 more seconds it's weird yeah Yeah. and then he gets up and she he's like nowhere to be seen so yeah it could potentially be yeah maybe or in her head he just he did just back up into the darkness that's how he made his exit yeah it's cool i like the concept of like there there are cool moments where also where he's like leaning over the railway he's like kirsty he like hears her name yeah but he's like making these little little um, he's a creepy ass uncle for sure oh yeah no question there but he's making these little skirmishes out of his room as he gets a little more strength Mm -hmm. you know so it's like it's cool to think that in this big gross house there's this horrible monster man just roaming around physically he's there he's around i love that dude just never never seems to go up and check that room though yeah i mean she she just hid a body in the house like she's not very good as a murderer either no I assume he's a busy man. I mean, you know, he got a job here. He's just off at the office all the time. She's at home alone all day. He doesn't have time to check the closets for bodies. <laughs> he seems to be cool with the black mold and everything. So yeah, he's not doing much. You for smell that a house. corpse like that. That house was so moldy and so mm. disgusting that bodies were rotting for days. Yeah, and he didn't, he didn't even know. notice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no smell. <laughs> like these bodies had maggots just like festering. Like they were. Hundreds and they hundreds were, it was of like maggots. vomit how much maggots were coming out of this mouth. Yeah. And that was still not enough for him to yeah. notice that. And he looked there was a new bad smell. He looked in that room when he was like when he heard the sound and he was like, Don't worry, we'll go look around. He it's looked fine. in he's like, Nothing in there. Nothing happening here. <laughs> Hilarious. Amazing. Well, yeah, he got his. Let's do some Instagram comments. <laughs> All right, on our It Comes at Night episode, Real Scary Door said I was disappointed with it. Although well shot, it was like a 10-minute segment from The Walking Dead stretched out to a double episode. And we uh, have another comment um, on It Comes at Night uh, from Christopher underscore Chownard. Sorry, that's my best attempt. Um, Hated every second it wasted. That's the whole movie. 
So I think out of all of our <laughs> posts on Instagram, this is the most negative that we have on a certain movie. The most disliked movie. And a, a lot of movies that are coming out this year are very polarizing. I'm thinking of Mother. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it comes in in particular was polarizing. And yeah. we knew that going in. You, know, you knew that going in. Um, yeah, with the, that one comment I read on the on the trailer, like nothing comes at night. <laughs> yeah, but, which is not a fair. That's a no. that's a bit of a write off of it, a yeah. It's it's a funny little boil yeah. it down kind of statement. But and, uh, um, we were a little different. Uh, we we had a little bit of a different opinion on this one. You, you mm-hmm. liked it a lot more. I was closer yeah. to these comments, but I did. I do still appreciate that movie. Yeah, I when I see a movie that like doesn't pay off in one certain way, but the whole time it was brilliantly shot great music great everything it's hard to completely write it off you know? yeah technically it, it's, it's you great. can't dismiss it just no. on how technically well shot it is yeah. like it's and, got so many merits and great performances yeah. like super creepy the fact that they didn't like you know give you what you wanted mm-hmm. that's less of a knock against the movie for me yeah you know? i no, I, I think you're right and for me there was just enough with the plot to be like okay well what actually happened that it makes it exciting to watch yeah. that movie and try to like figure things out you know yeah. try to put the pieces together with the clues that they do give you yeah and um i also think that like the them killing that other family that was just such a brutal shocking scene and moment and all the characters wore that on their faces until the end of the movie and yeah it it hits with a really really solid ending it's just like it feels like the way that they presented the movie is that this mystery of the it comes at night part is yeah. just not at all you know reflected upon and that's frustrating to some people totally and we i mean it, it just very much felt like it was playing into the same kind of slow burner that the witch did uh, a year earlier mm-hmm. and because that one had such a big explosive ending i think a lot of people were expecting yeah. something big some big eruption to happen and that didn't come and i think that that's why it didn't do it for a lot of people but i do really agree with this feeling like it's a 10 minute episode of the walking dead that's exactly how i describe it to people sure. yeah. like it just feels like a, a just one little small part of a walking dead episode yeah Thank you, Real Scary Door and Christopher Chouinard. It's Chewin' Hard to pronounce that name. <laughs> nice. Thanks. I like that little one. I mean, poor Slug Morpheus can't even see the torture stuff. Like, he's supposed yeah. to, this supposed to be an experiment, <laughs> and he's just up there like, can, can someone describe to me what's happening? <laughs> what's happening now? Yeah. Does, does it really hurt him? Are they in pain? <laughs> Sounds pretty awful in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, shh, shh. Slug Morpheus, shh. Yeah, we have to hear the screams. <laughs> Can you just tell me? Shh. Yeah, no, just what way is she facing? I just. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, Scaredy Cats, to another episode of the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre with me, your host, Chris Vandenberg. And me, little David Stoneborough. And as always, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Slug Morpheus is still out there. Chaos reigns under a pile of drywall in Britain. Who knows? Who knows?